0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to Clear the Cash. I'm your host, Nate List. You can find me on Twitter at an outraged Jew. And, of course, with me is Jesse Bach. You can find him on Twitter at planet underscore fatness. Jesse, we did not have an episode last week. Uh, We missed an episode. I was busy. You were busy. It's the continuous story of this show. But you were busy for other reasons, much cooler reasons than my reasons for being busy. You were in Vegas. And I want to talk about that. But before I do, I want to mention to the listening audience, we have a significant weekly audience. And we appreciate everybody that responds to us on Twitter and social media Um, Jesse and I are going to go to it every other week schedule. So just so you guys know, if you don't see a show next week, uh, that is because Jesse and I are taking the week off, um, to, you know, prep better content week to week you know, with the hobby, there's lots of stuff to talk about. We can always drum things up, but making things more actionable every two weeks will give us a nice opportunity to kind of delve in and find some inefficiencies in the market and try to exploit them. And I'm hoping you exploited Vegas. There's a lot to take advantage of there, Jesse. Did you or didn't you?
1: Well, Nate, as you know, as a wise man once said, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But um Okay. It, When it, when it comes to card shows, I kiss and tell, uh, if they happen in Vegas. So, um, so we, uh, seven buddies of mine and I went to Vegas for, um, the Eagles away game against the Raiders, which we're not going to talk about that, but, um, I found out maybe three hours before my flight, uh, that, uh, the Thursday going into the weekend that there's a card show. I follow. I've I've mentioned this account plenty of times on Instagram of uh, at, at the show locator, um, and I saw a post that oh the Vegas show was going on from whatever the weekend was like the 22nd to the 24th something like that, and <laughs> I already packed up. I had everything ready to go, and I'm like shit. Well, I can't. You know, I'm gonna try to sneak in a day to go. Um, and I like for sure. There, I'm gonna spend at least a couple hours there, but I have no room for any like inventory in my luggage. So I brought one card with me. I brought one card as like lateral, essentially. Um, and it was a 2013 select Giannis base PSA 10. That was like that was just the one card. I'm like, ah, eh, I don't like whatever. I I need something to to get some capital here. So I go to the show. I um. You know, we we land super late, like three o'clock in the morning. Um, I get plenty of rest and then go to the show the next day. Spend like maybe three hours there. Um, it was a really nice, it was a nice show. It was like two hundred tables worth. Um, I didn't stop by that Saturday or Sunday, but it, honestly, there there were probably more, even more dealers the next two days than than the first day that I went there. Um, shout out to. Uh, uh Kaboom collector John Scanlon. uh you might remember him on an episode we had maybe maybe 2 months ago or so maybe a little of less Of course that how could I forget John That was like our best episode I swear to god dude that was, that was so good he he had so much good stuff to say um I hit him I, I I saw him there I all of a sudden there's there's this one table that has nothing but Kabooms maybe maybe a couple of UFC cars maybe a couple couple of you know non Kaboom stuff here and there and I see there's a guy manning, manning his table and then this like kaboom loaded ass kaboom table. I'm like, do you happen to know John Scanlon? And he's like, yeah, this is his stuff. I'm like, oh shit, okay, all right. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to stick around for him. So caught up with him a little bit. Um, I hope he had a good time and I, I was going to try to grab a beer with him, but there was just with the schedule that my friends and I had, there was no way. But, um, but it was really good to see him. Um, also I, I've never mentioned, uh, this guy's account, but, uh, at KD 24 cards, um, uh, his name's Kevin. He's, he's a really good, uh, collector kind of turned quasi dealer at these shows. And, um, I, I, I know about him. He hit me up after we started doing this show in the, you know, in the early days. So, um, he's actually, you know, we kind of have Philly connections. I went to Temple university as an undergrad and he went to Drexel. So we kind of have like a you know a little Philly connection there, even though he lives on the West Coast now. Um, but it was really good to see him there uh, and and catch up with him. Um, but I mean the show the show was sick. It was just I've never been to a West Coast show. I've been to Chicago. Chicago's as far west as I've been at a card show but outside of Good the United, grief! So. That's
0: not even. You can't even call that traveling. It's west. not.
1: That's not. That's. No, it's not West. It's that's that's barely Midwest, but um, the the West Coast shows like they're just so I I don't want to I don't want to call the East Coast shows like uh, like I don't want to say they're just negatives to no, it, it's not negative, but I don't know just what something about the West Coast shows. They're just so much more laid back. People are more friendly to one another dealer. Like you could just talk, you could just shoot the shit with dealers and not even have any intention to buy. And they don't really care. Like they, they'll just shoot the shit with you. Um, Isn't that the whole mentality though, of like the
0: East coast is that it's really fast and everybody's got places to be. And it's like this hustle and
1: bustle. It is. It's not a stereotype. Um, that's, that's how it actually is. Like I've had, I've talked to people, um, you know, people i I meet on the road or Uber drivers, whoever, who have lived in around Philly or Jersey or New York, and they all say the same thing. Wherever they live, they're like, "Oh my god, I love this so much more." It's just the pace here is is nothing like people are so much kinder to each other. Uh, nobody's rushing to get from point A to point B for no reason whatsoever, and that like perfectly describes the East Coast. So, yeah, I I was able to t- talk to a lot of dealers. Um, I had I mistakenly wore my Sixers shirt. The morning of the whole Ben Simmons news coming out about mental health, and um, so yeah, I had pro- probably half the show hit hit me up while I was there, not the other way around, because they're like Ben, what's going on, Ben? What's going on? What's going on, Philly? And uh, yeah, I mean, they were they were good sports about it though. Like we kind of we would just kind of give our thoughts about the whole situation everything going on with him and uh, with the whole mental health thing. And honestly, I, to this, to this day, I don't know how much he's like, I, I think there is something there um, as a side note, uh, mental health wise, he's very clearly not mentally strong. Uh, we are, we saw evidence of that last year in the playoffs against the Hawks. Um, but uh, he's, he's using it as a crutch right now. Like he's just trying to save face. I think personally, Um but, yeah, that's, that's uh, I guess, yeah, besides half the card show giving me shit for, for the Sixers shirt, that's, that's neither here nor there. Um, so I was able to successfully sell um, my Giannis rookie just to, you know, liquidate a little bit. And I was pleasantly surprised to be able to find this at one of the very last tables I saw at the show. Um, so I picked up, it wasn't super expensive either, um, but it kind of, it's right up my lane. Um, in terms of the cards that I'm looking for. So it's a 2019 Contenders Optic, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, season ticket gold out of 10. And it's a PSA 9. Um, This card didn't... I, I just, I honest to God, I just paid sticks. The guy wasn't budging and the price was beyond fair to the point where it cost a little bit over what a raw copy would cost. And I'm, I'm cool paying... PSA 9 prices when they're just over raw especially if if the card is is as rare as as a card like this one is um so I just I I didn't even budge I just I paid cash for it right then and there after I sold my honest um yeah honestly the Nate I'm sure you've been to a couple shows yourself in Oregon and uh, Portland area Washington um Dude, I, I'm digging West Coast card shows.
0: Well, look, everybody on the West Coast is blazed out of their mind, Jesse. I don't know if you know this or not. Everybody's high all the time. There's no hustle and bustle. I can tell you firsthand, if you've ever been on a freeway in Oregon, nobody's got anywhere to be. I yell that (laughs) seven to 15 times when I'm driving. I'm just behind the wheel, just gripping it. And I'm like, does nobody have anywhere to be right now? I'm like trying to get left, you know, right, get around people. It's actually frustrating. I got to be honest with you. I know you come over here and you're like, ah. It's like opening up like a can of soda on like a hot day. It's like, ah. It's not like that. It's actually terrible. But <laughs> the people are probably a lot more laid back and more conversational. I mean, the Oregon ones that I've gone to, the Washington ones that I've gone to, um, there's there's certainly a re- the culture of the card industry in general, right, is really cool. I went to that card shop in Arizona. Guy was very cool. All the shows that I've been to, very much the same, Jesse. Look, but while in Vegas... Did did you do anything else? Sounds like you went to the football game. Did you do any gambling
1: at all? Uh very little. I like to I don't know. If if I gamble, I'm not going to gamble. I'm if I lose like 20 bucks, that's it, honestly. I try not to I don't like to put my money in like dangerous situations and it's gambling is I'm not saying I necessarily have that like a like addictive gambling gene, but I don't want to mess with it. So um I know when to i know when it's time to to turn away so no serious gambling um you know for, honestly for the most part we we kept it pretty like i guess like pg-13 to maybe r-rated like it wasn't you know we didn't do anything like super crazy um but uh
0: seven guys in vegas it got
1: r-rated it was yeah But nothing no, crazy. Nothing, nothing super cool. We were there for a football game, okay? We were You know, dude, the movie saw is rated R. Well <laughs> that's one way. That's one way to take it.
0: So well that's that's good. I'm I'm glad that you had a good time in Vegas. I've been to Vegas a handful of times. Um I have to I have to audit the group of people that I'm going with. I have to make sure I'm like, look who you have to identify who's the most insane person in the group and keep them in check because they're always the ones that are going to drag you into the most strange situations because Vegas offers quite a few opportunities to get yourself into trouble. We'll keep a PC on the show. It's a family show. Even though you said you went with seven guys and went rated R in Vegas, which <laughs> opens up just a, a, <laughs> a list of opportunities of things that could have taken place, but I won't probe you any further. Jesse, Segue oddly enough to card porn. Uh, great Instagram account. We go from Vegas to card porn. They're a great Instagram account, and you know they have they have awesome stuff all the time. Everybody who uses Instagram, which you know you've talked about oftentimes on the show, for people looking to make deals. Uh, if you get into a conversation on eBay about a card, sometimes the guy will go, "Hey, do you have an IG account?" Because what they want to do is remove eBay and their sales tax and they're cutting all that out. You can go to IG and you can get some really good deals done over there. But porn is an excellent account and you follow them as well as I do. And it feels like they've been on a hunt of late and they are exposing so many issues in the industry. A lot of them around fraud, a lot of them around uh, exposing grading companies. And they did something with PWCC not too long ago over a steph curry card during an auction and some things but most recently they struck again and what was it this time
1: I have um i don't have a, oh my god a blowout card account like i i don't i don't have a i don't have an account on blowout on blowout so um all these things like honestly maybe i should maybe this is the play here maybe create a blowout card uh, a blowout forum account just to dig, like you don't even have to post, just dig through stuff and you'll find the craziest shit. That's probably true. Like probably a decent amount of it's true. So the story behind this guy is people have known on, on Blowout that he's been, he's been a scammer for a while. Um, he actually hit me up. I'm not going to say his handle, but he hit me up about probably the biggest card I've ever posted on my Instagram account. He hit me up about it, uh, maybe like two, three months ago, um, around the time that I sold it. So, um, that was a little concerning after the fact. Thank God I sold it, and it probably didn't go to him, as far as I know. Uh, fortunately, so um, this individual, uh, how he would, uh, so this is this is probably his biggest biggest scam to date, which Card Porn unveiled. Uh, it's probably been well known for a little bit, um, but to Card Porn. And you can message them privately. Honestly, they take your request seriously. If there's like, if you find yourself being in the wrong somewhere, and it's pretty significant, they'll they'll put they'll post it out there. Like they'll do their own research, confirm everything is true, and then they'll 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 put it out there. They don't hesitate to to put out stuff that they did research on. So one individual claimed that uh, uh, this account that we're talking about stole a very very valuable Tom Brady rookie card from him. And the way he stole it is he claimed that he never received it in the mail. Um, and at the time, he spent about $5,000 for the card. So whenever he got it, I mean, $5,000, that's not a small amount of money. Um, he claimed it was lost in the mail. The seller had to reimburse the buyer. So the seller basically was out on out $5,000. Meanwhile, this individual... Uh, the buyer at some point in the near future posts the exact same card on his, on his very well-followed Instagram account. He has, he had like well over 5,000 followers. Um, He thought he was being clever by, by um, blotting out the serial number on the front of the slab. Yet he didn't do anything to the, to the PSA barcode on the top left. Um, if you screenshot that barcode and scan it on another phone using the PSA app, it'll scan just fine. So that barcode matched up with the serial number of the card that supposedly went missing. What, why this story became... It's, it's already, you know, this is not like a light thing. Uh, $5,000 is a big deal um, to steal from somebody. But what made this a big deal is that in March of 2021 this another copy of this card sold through golden auctions after buyer's premium for $181,000 you're talking about some stealing something that is now worth six figures that is a felony um this is this is we're diving into some serious stuff here in terms of fraud this isn't like you know, jipping somebody on like fifty bucks or a hundred bucks or something. Um, this is this is big time money, and that was that was, I believe, the first card porn post about this about this individual. And then over the course of the next week, it was just one thing after another after another. This guy would, um, so he by the way, he didn't give the card back at first. After even after this post, um, I th- I wouldn't even be surprised. I think he like blocked card porn. He started blocking people left and right. He started deleting posts. Uh, he deleted like half of his posts and he had, you know, maybe around 200 posts, at least 150 posts. Um, so big red flags. And uh, this individual, uh, in addition to actual theft like that, um, he was a patch swapper and an autograph tracer. So you might think, why why would you trace an autograph? Um Well, there would be times when, you know, a player would sign an RPA or something. Um, Like, let's say Kawhi Leonard, which is the exact example uh, that Cardport highlighted in one of their posts. This individual traced a Kawhi Leonard RPA to, you know, make the pen seem a little fuller in maybe some parts of the autograph where it was a little streaky. And um, the clarity of an autograph is very big in cards. Collectors value that very much, um, especially high-end collectors as well. Uh, and even grading companies value it. Beckett uh, I believe Beckett auto, uh, grades an autograph if an autograph is on the card without you even asking. Whereas with PSA, you have to pay extra for them to evaluate the condition of the autograph. So this, this is a big deal. Um, streaky autographs are, are a big deal in terms of um, in terms of the grade of the autograph and especially if it's something like BGS, so there was one RPA that was um, that was tracked down and actually in possession by Ken Golden, because said individual wanted to get as as much money as possible for the card. Um, it, I I have to look at the details again. Honestly, the card might have been trimmed as well. Um, in addition to to the to the uh, patch being altered or the the auto being traced. Um, so it was, it was in possession by Ken Golden. Ken Golden saw all of these allegations uh, that were being brought forward by card porn about this individual. And he reached out to him and he said, listen, uh, there, are, there are a lot of red flags here about this card. I'm not going to jeopardize my name or my company with, uh, with selling this card to somebody when I know it, it, there is just so much wrong here and it the card is was then graded it was it was graded by said individual and it came i believe it came back a 10 or a 95 whichever company it graded with so it drastic it like the value of the card just like 10x just from that grade so Ken Golden reached out to him and said listen I can send this back to PSA as you know Golden is um, owned by Collectors Universe which is the company that owns PSA he said, I can, I can send this back to PSA and they can grade it, but they, uh, don't assign a number grade. They label it as altered and you can do whatever you want with it from there. You I can ship the card back to you. I can sell it through my auction, which gets a lot of eyeballs and, uh, eyeballs of people who have very deep pockets. And some people wouldn't even mind having a card like that. And he never got back to him. So I don't even know if Ken Golden still has possession of the card. I have no clue. Um, So so there was one part of the story that had a happy ending. Eventually, he did uh, send back the the PSA ten SP authentic Tom Brady rookie um, to its rightful owner, um, probably to avoid some jail time. But uh, there's been like there there's just so much wrong that can go in a hobby like this, and I wouldn't worry about it too much if if you're looking at. You know, like even like football RPAs, the, the, the price of football RPAs, unless if it's like an all-time great quarterback or an elite modern quarterback, um, you're not really going to find stuff like that for, for, for football. But for basketball, like stuff like this can 10x a card's value, 20x, a, 100x a card's value. Um, so, you know, theft is a real thing, unfortunately, in this hobby. Um, don't fucking do it. Because you might get arrested. Like that. I mean, this is this is a serious thing. Like in term like when I say felony, like FBI agents are like monitoring this hobby. FBI agents. We already heard from John at the National this past year. There were undercover FBI agents right at the show. And it went up to him six or seven years, however long after they last got into contact with him. So you know, there's there's very powerful people. Um, and governing bodies that are looking at this stuff very closely and kind of a low-key play that I wanted to highlight in this in this whole story which I had no idea that existed um, there's another hobby content creator um, by the name of Kyle I, I can't remember his last name but uh, he's he's a host of the wax museum uh, podcast and which mostly focuses on basketball cards and he came up with um, a tool that actually tracks rookie patch autos, specific rookie patch autos. So, um, the card has to be serial numbered and uh, listed under like the player or set, whatever. And he um, he differentiates the cards. Like he'll look at, oh, this is a uh, twenty eighteen National Treasures Trey Young RPA at a ninety nine. Um, the serial number card six out of ninety nine has a dinged left corner, and the patch is a little streaky. Or if if he'll see a public sale of the 99 out of 99 Trey Young, he'll say, "Oh, this card graded as a BGS nine, um, and the grade looks pretty. It, it it looks pretty legit. Like everything about about the card looks legit." Um, I just wanted to kind of shout that out as just a, f- a free resource. Um, unfortunately, it only has it, that resource only deals with basketball cards, um, and it can and I believe Card Porn actually used. His website to track down a Trey Young RPA National Treasures RPA that was um, altered by said individual. So, just a lot to unpack there. Um, just kind of a small PSA to not do anything stupid while you're in the hobby or potentially criminal. Um, and yeah, it was just it was just interesting. I had no idea that there was something like a free resource like an RPA tracker out there. Um, and it's probably something that I would be looking to use if you know if I get into if I get back into the into the um, basketball RPA scene. So it's just kind of a kind of an interesting interesting story and very worthwhile post that I thought uh, that card porn put out.
0: Card porn's account is amazing. I actually reached out to card porn as I told you. I uh, thought it was one guy running the account, and said, hey, would you be interested in coming on the show doing an interview because, I mean, there's lots of little areas in the industry from guys that are CEOs of businesses to grading companies to dealers to buyers to whatever. And then you've got this very small group of people that are kind of like these crime fighters in a way. And I found out from Card Porn, they were very gracious and thankful that I had said, hey, I, I really respect what you guys do. Love to bring you guys on. And this person said, hey, look, it's a number of us. We don't actually know who it is. I think Jesse speculated before. We won't say any names. But there's a belief that there could be some prominent people running this account. But nonetheless, they're out here thwarting crime and putting it all on the line and literally reversing significant issues that are taking place out in the hobby. Because as Jesse mentioned, you know, make good decisions. It's so tight knit that literally this Instagram account Can make such a fucking wave that a guy holding a card is suddenly scared shitless to maintain possession of this thing. Like, I mean, they literally can change everything by just putting a spotlight on it. And again, like you said, which we don't see nowadays in the news is these guys vet their information before they go and just spill the shit onto the street. They literally cross check everything. So by the time you dispute it, they go, nope. Here's A through Z of why we checked it out, why we're saying it, and this is a fact, and 99% of the time you see things get changed because of them, so it's a pretty rad account, and it's always cool to be able to bring them up, again, try to get them on, don't think it's going to happen, they said maybe in the future, but I think they were just being nice, I don't think, they don't want to expose themselves, right?
1: If they expose themselves, they have to disband. It's that that account will uh, cease to exist if they if they expose themselves. And I think I really want to know who they are, but at the same time they've already done I, I can't I can't say I agree with every single post. I'm not gonna lie, but um, or maybe they go kind of a little overboard sometimes or a little too, I don't know. I don't know what the word is. Like, I don't know. They, they just dive a little bit too deep or maybe make a, make something that might be a little bit more of a big deal than it should be. Um, but they'll, they'll put some stuff. They, like you said, they have a real voice in the hobby to change the course of how millions of dollars might be spent. Um, or how auctions will end from golden to whoever. Um, it's, yeah, just be careful, be careful with what you do, um, in the hobby in general, whether or not you do something or someone does something to you that's going to end up on card porn one day. This hobby is just super small. Um, I saw, honestly, God, I saw dealers at this show in Vegas that I didn't even see at the national, but I saw in Philly and I saw in Virginia. Like I I've seen these people, the hobby is super small. So don't, uh, don't spend your time in the hobby fucking people over because people know other people. Um, it's just, it's the hobby world is very, very small. So just be kind to everyone and don't dick people over. Not to mention, fucking people over in the card industry is
0: so hard. People have such a keen eye for this. Like smart buyers know how to identify. All the potential fraudulent bits and pieces of trimming of a card. And like you said, you know, patch swapping or whatever, the serial numbers or you know anything that there's so many ways to spot fraud. And I'm always shocked. And that's one thing about the card porn account is they do point out a lot of like what's considered fraud or somebody's tampered with a card. And I'm always shocked at what they find because I'm like. I might not have caught that myself. Like, I don't know, you know, and they get, like you said, a lot of Intel from people, but nonetheless, I think we've probably blown card porn enough uh, for one episode. So we should probably pull back on that a little bit. Uh, But I do want to go forward on this topic, Dak Prescott. Now you and I have talked about Dak Prescott sidebar, not on this show as often. Dak Prescott's really interesting. I don't want to talk about the fraud part of Dak Prescott because there's a whole new fucking rabbit hole to go down of fraud, which I think card porn opened my eyes to it after you had talked about it too. But there's an insane uh, level of fraud with Dak Prescott, but is he in a buy low opportunity? And in general, is he a great example of why injuries don't mean we should panic?
1: Um, That's a uh, fraud. In, uh involving Dak Prescott, that's a that's an episode in and of itself. So we might have to save that for for one day before you, before one of our listeners ends up spending tens of thousands of dollars on maybe I I don't know like a gold prism auto of his or something. So so, um, do I think uh, Dak Prescott is by now? Well, uh, I'm I'm not quite sure about right now. I'd have to take a deeper look into how his market is currently doing, but one. One reason why I found him interesting is uh, with the importance – it has to do with the importance of being patient bef- before getting into a player after a significant injury. So I took a look at, You know, – we're going to talk about Dak Prescott, but we also have a couple more players to, to, to talk about just in case if um, there's gonna, there are going to be listeners in our audience who might not be able to afford or, or aren't really looking for spending quarterback type money in the hobby. So uh, the reason why we looked at Dak, Dak Prescott as part of like a case study of maybe an injury by low or post injury by low is because of his excruciating ankle injury in 2020 uh, in the middle of the season. Um, his so the the one card I looked at for him, uh I, I did like a, uh, I don't know, a moment in time where like a month by month price comparison. Was his rookie Prism Silver PSA ten um, on September sixteenth, which is right around the kickoff of the twenty twenty season? That card peaked. Guess what price the card peaked at? Knowing what it is right now, so right now it's probably it's in like I don't know the the five hundred dollar range. I, have, I I'm that's a total guess, but it's it's more far more reasonably priced now. Guess what it peaked at in September of twenty twenty? Mm, boy, I feel like I'm gonna get this wrong. Eighteen hundred. Okay, that was a little high. Uh, fourteen twenty-five, um, which even even fourteen twenty-five, that's that's still high for a card as high pop as that. Um, last last I checked, I'm pretty sure that pop's got to be somewhere between five hundred and a thousand. Like it's not even that low pop of a card. So that card peaked in September, um, mid September at four hundred twenty-five dollars. Um, it kind of settled down as um, as the season went on. Into early October, um, it settled around like seven hundred and fifty dollars or so. So it was a far more palatable price. And this is this is pre-injury, by the way. On the date of his injury, October eleventh, it dips all the way down to around five hundred dollars. So just like that, it dips around two hundred and fifty bucks. Just just with the injury right off the bat. From you had a, a good two month period. Uh, you know the league knows he's out for the year everybody card collectors know that he's out for the year for a good two month period between the middle of october and the middle of december you could buy that card for anywhere between $390 and $500 a card that used to cost almost $1500 just a few months before um it, it bottomed out on uh on 11:30 november 30th for just under $400 it peaked again, like all right. So let's say you bought that card in late November, early December. That card sold again in March. So just a couple months later, three, four months later, for over a thousand dollars. And what's what's crazy is all right. So you might have like a bit of an outlier sale. Okay, it went over a thousand dollars. But even if you didn't catch, if if you didn't, if you didn't ride the wave and just get the top of it and jump off. You could have you could have still sold this card anywhere between early February through late May. So that's a that's a nice ninety day period. You could have sold that card for well over eight hundred dollars because that's what it was regularly selling for between those three months. So, like I said, um, if you don't want to get into the court into the quarterback game um, or you don't have the money for it, it it is extremely profitable. But this is. You know this could be applicable to other skill positions as well. So I thought the marquee running back that I would look at, I would look at in a case like this, post injury, is somebody like Christian McCaffrey. Um, his Prism Silver rookie PSA ten peaked on August twenty sixth of last year, uh, going for a little over eight hundred and fifty dollars, um, on on the week of his. Uh, high ankle sprain which um, Matt Kelly appropriately uh, labels as high ankle fucked and it's not just high ankle fucked in real life football it's high ankle fucked in the card market too because his his prices dropped all the way down to $455 post injury so it already nearly cut in half from its peak in August and then in the middle of December for $245 which is almost a quarter of what it peaked at right before the season started. Then between early March and early April of 2021, if you bought that card in the 250 $275 range, sub $300, you could have sold it for $500 consistently around April. So just hold that thing for a couple months. Wait a couple weeks after the injury um, because – Eventually, there will be a bottoming out, and as soon as you start to see a slight uptick in prices, that might be a, a time when you want to jump in. And for the, the third example, I'm going to go with an even cheaper option at this, especially at this point in time, and that's Michael Thomas. So, of course, no surprise, we're also going to look at his Prism Silver PSA10. Um, in the summer of 2020, it was consistently selling for between 750 and 850 dollars. Um, it peaked uh on September thirteenth, going for eight hundred and sixty-five dollars, the the peak sale price of that card ever. Um and ironically, I guess someone bought it early in the day before the one PM game started over here on the East Coast. And then week one, he goes down with the ankle injury. He finished the game with like three catches for 17 yards. Um it, it come the injury comes back as a high ankle sprain or high ankle fucked and fucked his prices were because that card dropped the very next sale of that card. Nine days later, went from $865 to $435 already cut in half. It bottomed out during the season in late October selling for under $200, $190. Um, the drop off is crazy from the peak price to this price? It dropped almost eighty percent in a matter of a month and a half, like a month and 15, month and sixteen days. Then it picked back up um, and it sold at the peak at another peak in the off season in late February for four hundred and ten dollars. So if you if you could have picked this up in the two hundred dollar range in the middle of the season when nobody's talking about Michael Thomas. You could have doubled your money right then and there, and I even think uh, I'm. I think there's somewhat of a buy opportunity right now with this card because if you look at eBay auctions right now, this card is consistently going for around a hundred dollars. Nobody's talking about Michael Thomas right now. Nobody like the there's still the Saints are still waiting for him to get back to practice and beat reports keep saying, yeah, he's still, you know, it's week eight right now, but he's still a couple weeks out. He's still a couple weeks out. and um, I like I don't know, even even in fantasy football, there's probably not much better of a buy low than somebody like Michael Thomas with when you can get a player who has the ability to win you a fantasy title when he actually comes back. I mean, fantasy managers need him, the Saints need him, Jameis needs him, um, and if people are looking to make a quick buck and hold on to his stuff for maybe, I don't know, a month after he comes back onto the field, or even if you buy in now and he comes back at some point during this season, even like the week or the week after he comes back, that might be a decent sell opportunity because $100 for this card, like going into the 2020 season, going into the summer of 2020 was the last time we saw this card uh, go for a hundred dollars and it's going for a hundred dollars regularly right now. So um, I don't know. There are just a couple examples of um, why players like this might be an actually a buy opportunity after a pretty big injury. Um, Dak Prescott obviously being the most profitable, but even you can find your opportunities in running back and wide receiver as well, and I, I didn't even mention. I think CMC rookies are a pretty decent buy opportunity right now too. Um, we're seeing we're seeing them go for around two hundred dollars right now, and that's even for CMC. I believe that's too cheap. So, if you're looking to buy into a player. Um, who just went down with a big injury It might be worthwhile to wait Maybe a month, month and a half or so Before his prices bottom out And then you're, you'll be looking at a profit
0: Michael Thomas is exceptional We've talked about him on this show before But this is a guy that since entering the league Has been the wide receiver 7 Wide receiver 4, wide receiver 6 Wide receiver 1 and then got hurt Obviously but Would have had another top 10 fantasy season. And as I've expressed before, I think he's got multiple years left on him. Just injury-wise, this guy has had nothing. And again, this injury was an elective, or at least his surgery was elective on his behalf. So once again, it's not really like Michael Thomas has really been fucked up too bad. Um, But this is one of the better receivers I think we've seen in the last... I mean 20 years of football he's an exceptional player unfortunately he was a little older when he came in 28 and a half now you know going to be 29 by the end of the season but still exactly like you said as soon as he shows up he's going to start contributing in a huge way um so right now might be a great time to buy Michael Thomas I love all three of those names they're all popular names they're all exciting players Dax CMC Michael Thomas Jesse so that's the action folks. That's what you guys keep showing up in my DMS with a car bomb and going, you're like, Hey, get in, check this out. My, the, the steering wheel. And you're, you're driving in and you're going, Hey, where's the action at? Well, there it is right there. If you guys want to make money, Jesse just laid out how to do it. Don't roll into my open DMS because I leave them open. Cause I'm a man of the people for you to show up with a fucking shit show of show advice of what we're supposed to do for action. It's been delivered. It's been set in your own fucking lap. You get in your own goddamn car bomb vehicle and you turn the the key to the ignition and see what happens. I'm not driving that shit for you anymore. Jesse, thank you once again. Beautiful, you did it. You've delivered action. The data was there. It's data back. That's what we do on this network. All right, Jesse. Again, we're every other week right now. So guys, we won't be on next week. We'll be back the following week on Clear the Cash.